Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today, we are moving into coffee industry-adjacent territory. You are about to hear my interview with Karen Eland. Based up in Bend, Oregon, Karen is a painter and artist who uses coffee, more specifically espresso, as her paint. She also paints with beer and sometimes, I think, even actual paint. If you want to check out some of her art while listening to the show, follow at Coffee Painter on Instagram right away. While you're there, you might as well follow at Roast West Coast, too. After booking Karen to appear on this podcast, I realized that since I had never interviewed an artist on this show before, I had no idea what I should ask her. I couldn't fall back onto some of the standard questions that I ask most of my guests. So I got a cup of coffee from Café La Terre in Solana Beach and scrolled through galleries of Karen's artwork until I had made enough notes to follow through with this show. Once I realized that most of this podcast is talking to show guests about what inspires their passions, it was pretty easy. If you're out there thinking, dang Ryan, just get to it. I've already filled my coffee mug to the top. You are in luck because it is time for this conversation with Karen Eland, the coffee painter. It's nice to meet you. Any questions from you before we get started? Mm, no, I'd just say jump right in. All right, we'll jump right in. Uh, welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. If you wouldn't mind uh, just saying kind of your name, um, what you do for a living, you know, and if you have a favorite cup of coffee, maybe what it is. My name is Karen Eland, and I paint with coffee or beer as my paints. And probably my favorite cup of coffee right now is from my good old AeroPress. I like to make a little AeroPress every morning. And you're up in uh, Oregon, I believe, mm -hmm. Bend, right? Yeah. Do you have a favorite local coffee shop or local coffee roaster up there? There's probably like 10 favorite ones here. We have like <laughs> an amazing amount of really good coffee roasters. So I used to work at one called Back Porch and I still love their coffee. Then there's Spoken Moto, which is a motorcycle and coffee shop and they have some good stuff. And probably another one I go to a lot is called Lone Pine. Wow, that's so funny. I have been to all three of those coffee shops. Oh, really? <laughs> uh-huh. I have uh I have a I have a Spoken Moto and a Lone Pine sticker, I think, on my car right now. Well, well, then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to chat with you about painting with coffee and beer. I came from a beer background, so that was exciting oh, nice. too. But before I do that, I kind of want to just ask you about your past experiences with coffee. Is it just a medium you use for art? or I mean, obviously you drink coffee, but kind of what got you started? Do you have a first memory of coffee that uh, that stands mm. out? Yeah, I, I, my first memory is probably a smell of my grandparents making coffee. My parents never drank it for some reason. They just didn't like it. My mom's a tea lady. And then I didn't, I don't even think I had any coffee in my life until I moved to New Orleans when I was like 19. And the cheapest thing you could do to hang out in this one place with all the people I wanted to be with was get a dollar cup of coffee. So I would dump nutmeg and sugar and cream in there until I got used to it. And then I kind of gradually got more and more into like espresso and just liking the pure deal. 
I think in uh, New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken, chicory in coffee is kind of a big thing. Yeah, yeah. That was, I kind of developed a taste for that while I lived there, yeah. I'm going to have to Google that and, and get a little more background on it. You're in New Orleans, and i be honest with the listener, I did a little bit of reading, a little backstory, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if you could share with us kind of what inspired you to, to even consider using coffee or beer at some point to paint with in the first place. Well, I, so I, I started drinking coffee in New Orleans and also my, um, painting, I started painting in a coffee house there. And at the time I was just doing watercolor. So I didn't think of the coffee thing until I actually moved back to Oklahoma, Tulsa, where I grew up. And I was sitting there painting a watercolor at the espresso bar. My friend is working. I'm just chit-chatting, watching the coffee pouring out of the machine. And I was like, that's a pretty color brown. Maybe you could paint with it. It stains things. And my friend's like, why don't you try it? And that's as simple as it was. I just took some from him and started sticking my paintbrush in there and trying it out on my watercolor. And it worked. And I kind of kept, I was like, what if it was the only paint, not just the watercolor? So I did one just straight coffee and it it's made me want to keep going. Did it click that quickly where you thought this is kind of what I'm going to do that I'm going to just be a coffee painter or was it like, Oh, this is an interesting thing. And I'm going to put it in my toolbox of you know artistic skills here and keep pursuing art as a general following. I would say it intrigued me enough right away to want to do so I did just like a doodle of an eye, kind of my go-to doodle painting. And I was like, this looks pretty good. I mean, it can do the different levels of shading and the color is pretty brown. And so I decided, oh, I'm going to do a real painting, which was Mona Lisa. Everybody knows Mona Lisa. So, and then I, it immediately struck me like, oh, I could make her holding a cup of coffee and it'll be like this cheesy play on the Mona Lisa. And that was actually my first like full coffee painting to do. And it, I did it mostly right there in the coffee shop. So people were watching occasionally and encouraging me and just being really into it. So I was like, maybe this could become a real thing. And there's so many classic paintings that you could do with a coffee twist. And so I wasn't thinking of it in terms of a financial career or anything at the time. It was more just like, I want to explore this further. That's another question, I guess, as an artist at that time, were you pursuing art as your career or is there like an alternate universe somewhere where mm-hmm. Karen like works in a bank, for example, or uh, whatever? No good for any bank, <laughs> but I worked at the time I was actually working as a banquet server down the street at the Marriott hotel. And they had asked me to do somehow it came out that I was an artist also and I was painting some large backdrops for some of their banquets and um, starting to do more art stuff. But it was still like a, I'm doing a couple things at once. And so I don't know if I had ever done art full time at that point yet, but it was always something in the background for me, doing a lot of portraits, that kind of thing. And you're still relatively young at this point. So yeah. You 19 in New Orleans, but I think early 20s probably. Yeah. Yeah. This was in... Uh, I'll give a clue to my age. This was in like 97, 98 when I um, was exploring the coffee thing and starting to make prints, eventually starting to make prints and sell those. And, sure. Um, I think about it that way just because when I was in my, at that same, roughly the same period yeah. of time, I was working as a banquet server at a Ramada yes. Inn. <laughs> 
and then and then actually at a uh, holiday inn at one point but i was also trying to figure out my own path i was finishing up school and, and doing all these other things and it always felt like okay there's the thing that i do that's for me and there's mm-hmm. the thing that i do that pays rent and those things haven't yeah. overlapped yet yeah as you are working and getting interested in coffee you've completed your mona lisa uh, which kind of feels like you've already hit the pinnacle, like everything from there on, right? It's going to be easier, but you're learning how to use coffee. Like there's a, a growing period of like, mm-hmm. how does this work? So I'm wondering a little bit about coffee as a medium, like do some brands of coffee work better, like instant versus yeah. like craft, you know, what are the challenges and disadvantages of using coffee? I, I definitely had a, a little bit of a learning curve. My friend that was the barista at that very first moment, I thought it was like, why don't you try the grounds? Why don't you try, you know, drip coffee? Why don't you try this espresso? And we were just like going for it right then. And almost right away, um, I preferred the espresso itself because the density of the color and just maybe the oils that it brings through. And I don't know. So I, I kind of quickly left the other stuff aside. I know there's a ton now of coffee artists that use instant coffee around the world. I've seen a lot of work. I've not actually played with that. I've just preferred to use espresso that I would enjoy drinking. I mean, honestly, it's in a way, in a way it's kind of sad. It's like, oh, it's too good. And now no one got to taste it. But the quality of it comes through. There has been some I've tried that fades into a weird dull color. I don't know why. I kind of avoid those one, you know, those shops or those ones. And so I found a few, some of those shops I named is where, and there's also one more named palette, which uses Kova coffee and Kova is great for paint. (laughs) So I use a lot of that in my current work. Yeah. I think if I remember a palette is kind of like in a purple house with a nice big patio out front. Yeah. Yeah. I really like bend. So I'm familiar (laughs) with the coffee shops there. Yeah. So does that mean you're pulling espresso every time you want to paint or you're going to a coffee shop only to paint? How does this work? I go, I mean, I used to paint more right in the shop and then it, and that's back when I lived in Oklahoma and it was just that kind of a shop where it was like everyone hung out there was by college, you know, it wasn't too weird to be doing that and taking up a table. Eventually I find I like to do it at home. So I'll go to palette or to wherever and be like, I need 10 shots (laughs) and just take a cup of them home and Sometimes if you go to a new shop and ask them that, they're like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But I take that home and then sometimes I'll boil it down a little so that it gets even thicker and I can do the dark parts faster. Sometimes I'll use just straight the the way it comes. So as an artist, then you're thinking dark to light as far as how like the process of building your painting. Well, not necessarily. It's more like a watercolor, which you do light to dark traditionally I've just gotten used to using it and I have certain things that I do dark to light I don't know how to explain it's just intuition oh I'm going to do this part dark first and or if I'm doing a portrait or an animal or anything I always start with the eyes because I like to just do them the best and see them looking back at me while I finish the rest of it so that would be starting with the dark pupil and then doing around so it's kind of uh depends on the painting but generally I'm more of a light going toward the dark how long from the time that you dip your your paintbrush, say, into the espresso or into the, the coffee that you've, you've done and you start working on the paper? I have a little experience in art, not, nothing that would make me have any intelligence about it at all. But I'm wondering, mm-hmm. once you start working, 
how long do you have to play with what you're doing on the page before coffee sets or dries mm. or like watercolor paint? You have some flexibility there. I'm wondering if coffee responds the same way. It's fairly similar to a watercolor, um, the way I use it anyway. Watercolor will stay set and you can go back over it and you don't have to worry about messing up the previous layers. Whereas coffee, you can get it back off by pushing too hard on the subsequent layers. So you either can use that to your advantage or you have to be very, very careful because it will disturb the previous layers. So that's something that I've learned to deal with over time that's different. What about art, generally speaking, like forgetting about coffee art, what kind of sets you down this path as an artist and what kind of got you started in the first place or inspired you to pursue it? And, you know, how did you end up to be that person who was like, oh, I'm going to try this new coffee art concept? I wouldn't say I was a desperately I've got to be an artist kind of a kid. I always liked drawing, but I like 15,000 other things. And I remember we had dress up like what you want to be in third grade and at the time I was like, I have a little beret and I have knickers like those pants, you know, that went down to your knees. And for some reason I thought artists wore those. <laughs> so I was like, sure, I guess I'll just dress up like an artist. And that's what I ended up being, which was funny to me later. Cause you know, I, I didn't really, it sort of feels like I accidentally became an artist because I really could have been so many other things due to my interests, but I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out this way. <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> that uh, that leads us back to that question of at what point did you see it, say to yourself, you know, maybe I don't have to be the banquet server anymore. Maybe this yeah. is a career and this people are willing to pay me for this coffee art. Yeah, it, it was a surprise to it, at the people's response, you know, just, oh, my gosh, you should make cards or mugs or this or that. And I at the time hadn't really thought about it. And luckily my cousin is way more business minded. And he, at the time was like, at the time it was, you have to go get lithographs made. Like it was not the print on demand world we have now. So it was kind of a big investment to take four of my top. We had a big party at the shop and coffee shop with our display and like everyone vote on the piece you want to see turned into a print. And so the top four ones, we went to a big shop and had them do a run, print run of like, I don't know, I forget even now how many each. And then that was what we were going to start selling. So that kind of made it seem real to me. Like, oh my gosh, now we have to sell this stuff. And my cousin's in on it with me. I'm not a, just a lone painting. And I don't know. It it was a rock, rocky start. I wouldn't say it was like, oh, we sold them out the first day. But it got me focused on like, I want to do this. This isn't done yet. Like this is more than just something to play with. And it kind of it gave me the impetus to really pursue whatever it took to make it, make it more available to people. And I would say a big breakthrough, we would go to like the SCAA trade show a couple years in a row. And I made some good connections there. And at I wonder if, what year I could remember what it was. I don't know, 2005 or seven or somewhere in there. We were at one of those and diagonal from us was um, David Schomer's booth from Espresso Vivace. And I was familiar with him from being a barista and watching his videos on how to do latte art and all that. And so I was like, oh my gosh, he's the superstar. And he's like right there. And meanwhile, he's looking back at me and like, what's this art thing? And he comes over to talk to me and I'm just like, yeah, you know, and he, <laughs> and he had no idea 
that I knew who he was, I guess, but um, he was just saying, we're building these new cafes and we'd love to have your work as a mural in, um, he named a figure and I about fell on the floor with like, okay, this is a valuable skill I have and he wants to purchase it. And so we made that happen and I went on to do like another whole shop for him. And that was probably the real boost to my career in coffee art, I would say. That's a mural. I mean, you're scaling up from a small print. And when I say small, I mean, eight by 10 or even 20 by 24, something like that. How do you scale this up? I mean, you mentioned you go to you go to a shop and get like ten espresso shots. Yeah. I'm imagining like paint buckets full of espresso shots for a mural. <laughs> but you know, how did that process work with that first one? Had did you have experience painting murals before that? Because it's a different type of thinking. I'm just thinking about yeah. it out loud. You know, like thinking on a grander scale than what's right in front of your your visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's um, in some ways it's very. I had done murals before, like uh, for the Marriott hotel, I did these, they were on canvas, but they were like 10 feet tall, you know, and big, big paintings. And my tendency is to go super real and get involved in all the details. And it's just sort of, okay, you have to turn that part down a little and focus on bigger brushes and bigger paint strokes and all that. And then it can still look realistic without being like super nitpicky. So I was a little bit used to doing that. And then with his particular design, it was actually done in panels. So I didn't have to come up with one, you know, 24 foot scene. He had very specific ideas of like this piece. And so I could do it on a, maybe a five foot wide piece of paper that was three, four feet tall. And that was a little more manageable with the way I had to do it on paper and then mount it to the wall later. So it was a little different than a traditional mural in that sense, but it was just large and a lot of panels that added up to a mural. I mean, it's just such a a cool thing. You're, um, and I'm kind of just talking to the listener here for a second, Mm but uh, if you go on like your Etsy page, which I'll link to uh, in the show notes. And again, on our newsletter that goes out, uh, you have one for coffee painter and one for beer painter on Etsy, but the paintings are quite intricate, some of them. And and you do a lot of kind of your own variants on some famous paintings or famous Mm -hmm. scenes as well. And so to think about it, on a, on such a, a large mural scale. I mean, when you say five feet, it wasn't that big to me, that seems huge. <laughs> you know, in the few painting classes that I've taken, like eight by 10 was like where my brain maxed out. So yeah. it's, it's just such a cool uh, way of thinking. At some point you start working in beer. How did, where did that come from? Was it just kind of like the natural progression of like, what other liquids can I paint with? Or was there a, a motivator for that? Yeah, it was just kind of thinking after, gosh, it had been almost 10 years of painting with just coffee. And of course, I'd hear, you know, various art shows or think, uh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And and I hadn't and I didn't. I was just kind of busy with, with the coffee thing. And then I moved to Bend and Bend had at the time, I think, the most per capita breweries of any town in America. So there was breweries everywhere. And Bend is actually where I first started to enjoy beer itself. Cause in before I just, I had like one taste of some normal beer and I just was like, I don't like it. And then I moved here and it was like, Oh, I hadn't tried really good craft beer. And of course, when, you know, I have like craft expensive taste. <laughs> so uh, as I tried beer, that was more on my radar. And then I started noticing, you know, porters and stouts are almost the exact color of, of the espresso 
and they even mix espresso in them sometimes. So I just tried it out and it worked almost the same way as coffee. It's uh, stickier, you know, more like when you dry it up, it's more like a syrup and that can be annoying at times, but it's also, it, it still works as a paint. So I started doing that and various breweries in town, done some work for them and got to go to England one time for a beer company, like to do a live painting. It's kind of like an interactive ad experience. And, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's opened some really fun doors. How did these businesses find you to do this commercial work? I mean, is it just well, Google searching or are you actively going out and saying, Hey, I do this, you know, uh, check it out. I am not very proactive at knocking on doors. So I would say I'm just grateful that people know how to search on Google and I happen to show up somehow. And yeah, one of them was an ad agency in London that was look that did alternative types of ads. And so people that painted with stuff, they found me and that's how that kind of happened. And, and yeah, I think it's, I've asked a few places or mentioned like, Hey, I do this if you need anything, but Honestly, most of it's come through word of mouth or just through someone finding me somehow. Uh, you mentioned kind of in the late 90s, kind of getting into this in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow we are in the 2020s. Mm -hmm. It happened really fast. Yeah. I very clearly remember the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Most of it anyways. What have you kind of learned about the business side of this? Because I feel like art artists in general or writers or now podcasters or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you, and, and I should ask, uh, did you go to school for art? No, I actually didn't. So I it just, I took a portrait painting class when I was 15 at an art store and it was phenomenal. It was really helpful, but that was kind of all I've had a professional training or any of that. Well, then this this may not directly apply, but mm -hmm. I felt like when I came out of out of school, high school or college for that mm -hmm. matter, I knew a bunch of things, but I didn't have practical yeah. knowledge and how to make those reality or how to make a career out of the things I wanted to do. What have you kind of learned about the business side of being an artist since you've been in it now for, for some time? I would say I still have a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh I've been very grateful. I feel like sometimes when I look back at this, oh, it has been going on for that long. Like I've made ends meet and I'm not, I could never teach a course on how to be a business artist. Like I'm just in awe that one thing has led to another to such degree that I'm supporting myself, honestly. Um, I have learned it's uh, one thing I wish all artists of every shape would hear more is go get yourself an accountant or a tax person. Like don't try to do all that yourself. Like I was always trying to pinch pennies and like, we'll have to do my taxes all by myself. And then I would have to file for an extension every year because I'm, I hate that stuff and I don't do it on time and blah, blah, blah. And so it was so much stress every year. And it's like, why did I not just spend a little bit of money for some help in this area and save myself that much drama? So that kind of thing where it's more like you don't, if you're not gifted in business, like partner up with someone who is and, and don't try to do it all. And yeah, that would be one, one thing. Other things as I've, I've gotten to know some other artists in town that are really successful and kind of gleaned from them. Like, Oh, they, 
I'm trying to think specific little details, just in really subtle details, like beef up your Instagram a little more, or don't be afraid to take an inspiration trip and, and just do that, you know, or gosh, I'm having a hard time being specific. Uh, no, that's all right. I think that, I think it is hard because I think especially as an independent creator. So Mm -hmm. for me, I have this show and I also wrote a book and published it last year. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to get that out in the world. You know, I, I leaned on some of the business experience that I've had to do that. But in thinking about like hiring an accountant or whatever, like, even though it might not be a lot of money, I don't have any background to go, well, this is going to work. And each of those little things digs into that little amount of money I have to push this this thing out or vice versa. So I understand that you you have a studio, which I believe is open or has a little shop in it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was I'm part of this place called the Workhouse. And so it's kind of an artist collective. There are eight little studios within it of all different types of arts. We have a, a printing press gal. We have some seamstress. We have a stained glass window guy and jewelry makers. And so, and then the center portions of the, our shop items that we've made. And then also people from the local region have made, and it's really um, charming and people love to come shop there. So I don't actually have a working studio in there. I still have my display and my art is there, but I found like during the pandemic and even before that I was doing more mural jobs or not painting in the space as much. And it was becoming like a storage unit <laughs> instead of my actual working <laughs> studio. So I just, you know, me and the girl that owns the shop are like, you know, this isn't really making sense for you. Why don't you, we give you this big display and you do work wherever you work. And so that's, that's the story of that, but it's, it was a great experience to be part of a group. Um, we took turns running the shop and you get, you're just getting part of a community that is always good to be a part of a community whenever you can. So Sure. And you see other people going through similar challenges and, you know, you can collectively uh, troubleshoot things. But also what I noticed from some photos I saw of your shop and some YouTube Mm -hmm. videos where they were in your shop and just from looking at your Etsy is you do a great job of meeting customers where they are. There's an accessibility to both Mm -hmm. the product, but also the price point. You know, I'm I'm assuming there's a sliding scale based on the art. Mm But I would if I would feel comfortable as a non-art person, you know, buying artwork. And I think there's nice. something of value there. You know, a craft coffee, certainly prices range from whether you're expecting a $3 cup or a $2 cup to a $7, $8 cup. And I think yeah. art could be similar. There's a value on both sides of that, mm-hmm. that coin. You also offer classes yeah. in Bend. And so I'm kind of wondering, are those classes geared towards teaching people how to paint with coffee or beer, um, or do they have a different bent and kind of what have you learned from teaching the classes? They currently are just a, it's like a fun two hour experience. So I've almost always had beginner artists and I provide like a pre-drawn sketch of, you know, we might do a mountain scene from around here. And the people choose, do they want to paint in coffee or beer? And I just kind of walk you through how to do a painting. And by the end of the two hours, you have your scene. So it's sort of been more like a, like those paint party class things you can go to. It's, it has more of that vibe than, okay, I really want to learn to paint from here. You know, teach me everything, you know, it's not, I haven't really ta- taught at that level. So I really enjoy doing it 
the way it is because you just see people that are like, well, I can't do anything but a stick figure. And then by the end they have this painting and they're really proud of themselves. And it's like, I can actually do this. And it was fun. And, you know, I just enjoy seeing people realize like, you don't have to be an artist to be an artist. Like you can just try it. And that's kind of the whole thing with the coffee and beers. Like, why don't you just try it? Like that initial spark is kind of the vibe I carry through with it. It's like, well, don't worry about how it's going to come out. Like, why don't we just try it? And then it does come out. <laughs> I'm thinking back to some of the uh, classes I took in design school and thinking, man, I spent all that money on fancy paint. She could have just dipped into some coffee or some beer. Yeah. What What is kind of on the horizon for you as, a, as an artist? You know, is this just the path you're going to continue down? Is there a chance you'll be painting with orange juice at some point in the future? Mm -hmm. I don't mean to make a joke, but, you know, do you see a future where you're continually changing and adapting? Yeah. And currently I'm in a mural phase with acrylics. My friend and co-artist Katie Daisy, some of your audience might know her. She's got work everywhere with like licensed products and all this floral stuff. And so we have combined forces to do a bunch of murals throughout the region and we find that we really like, like I'll do the animals and the more realism side and she'll do the flowers and it's just a vibrant, fun partnership. So that's been a joy to me to depart from just brown for a minute and do all these colorful things with her. And then it's kind of sparked me to like, I want to learn to spray paint so I can do a spray paint mural. I've never done that before. So that is the very, I've not done anything with it yet, but it's, I bought some spray paint. I'll say I did that and I sprayed it on a panel and it looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a new skill I'm going to hopefully play around a little bit with and see if I can go anywhere with that. But I still do love coffee and beer. I still enjoy, like I'll, I'll get a lot of pet portrait requests lately. During the pandemic, I was super grateful that people reached out to me and were just, I was able to keep going because they wanted to decorate their house while they were sitting around in their house. And um, so random projects throughout that have kept me going with the coffee and beer and I still enjoy brown paint and it's still a pretty color to me. Well, and I want to mention the name of that project you have with uh, your friend Daisy. It's Floor and Fawn, I believe, and on Instagram Yay. you can find it as well. And I have a friend named Skywalker who is a, a brilliant uh, spray paint muralist who I know works Ooh. in Oregon a lot. So we're going to have to connect the two of you up. Yes, I need to learn <laughs> uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think listeners might be interested to know either about you or about your work or about alternative mediums of artistry? Mm, I don't know. I think we've covered most things, I guess, just to encourage people that like sometimes you don't feel like a real artist or I don't feel like, oh, I have all these deep personal, meaningful things that I have to paint to get off my chest. So I'm not a real artist. And I've struggled with that, just that imposter syndrome of feeling like, well, I'm not going to be in, be creating anything that mind blowing. But on the other hand, it's like just being open to curiosity and just playfulness. It really did just pop into my head. I can't take credit for like trying hard to be a brilliant artist and think of something new. It just like that keeping in touch with that playful and it, being willing to experiment part of yourself that could lead you anywhere. You just don't know. You don't have to know ahead of time where that could lead. Just follow it. You know, that's, I guess what I'd want to say. Sure. Um, and that actually leads me just to one other thought that I had, which mm -hmm. is the stuff, the art that you are painting, 
the coffee and beer art that I've seen tends to lean towards more realistic. And you'd mentioned mm-hmm. realism in your other thing and yeah. your other comment. But is that what you like to paint? Like I, I, I noticed, or is that what is selling? And so that's what I'm seeing on Etsy where it's like Mona Lisa's or it's, you know, Parisian scenes with a bicycle yeah. or um, what is it that you like to paint? If you were to say, I've got, this is for no one, but for me, what am I yeah. working on? It, it will be like a realism of some sort, you know, and I do enjoy, I think the part of my brain that enjoys art is that like, what am I seeing? Okay. How do I do that? What am I seeing? How do I do that? And it just, it's, it's just stimulating to me or soothing to recreate what I'm seeing. So in that sense, the masterpieces are something I like doing rather than like, this is, this is a famous thing that would sell well. It's more like, oh, that painting would translate well to, to just two tones. And how can I mentally switch gears from this color to this brown? And it's just, it's just the process of that I enjoy. So it's not so much like, oh, I want this one particular subject, but I guess recreating something beautiful, whether that be a nature scene or a masterpiece that, that someone else created in the first place, saluting to them. (laughs) Um, I just, I enjoy that process a lot. Sure. I notice a record player, I think, in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are what are you listening to when you're painting these days? Oh, gosh, I go all over the place. I had a kick for vintage Hawaiian music. <laughs> um, and then some of my parents were really old, mellow. I The way I was raised, they listened to n- nothing but like super cheesy, mellow orchestra music. But instead of driving me nuts, it kind of brings me comfort and I just put some of these Montavani strings records on and then sometimes I'll put on the newer stuff I like I don't have vinyls of because I literally bought that record player last week I oh. had one long ago <laughs> I had one long ago and then it, it broke and I was like why don't I have a record player I need to go get one right now and so yeah I'm I need to update my collection with the newer stuff I like <laughs> well I like that I'm uh I have a record collection, but I am currently sounds record player as well. Oh, yes. I know. And I love my records, but I find that when I'm listening to music, especially like when I'm writing, whether it's a script Mm -hmm. or a story or something, the music finds its way into my, what I'm doing, you know, the the tone or the vibe, and I may not even realize it. And so I would assume art are similar. Yeah. I do also listen to a lot of audio books and podcasts. Sometimes that will keep my attention on, I need to finish this painting and I'll sit here because I'm interested in what they're talking about more than with just music where I can kind of like zone out. But when I look back at a painting, I can hear what I was listening to when I look at it. Sometimes, not every single, but like it's, it's weird how much that cements in my own brain. Like that was going on when I did that and it's just connected. I don't know if anyone else would pick it up because it's just (laughs) in my own head, but. Well, I think whatever they're listening to when they see your art for the first time or when they have a connection to it for the first time, because I don't think that's always the first time you see a piece of art. Yeah. Sometimes I see something, whether it's art or a film, and I I don't like it. And later on, Mm -hmm. something compels me to go back Mm -hmm. and I might change my mind. And I think that's the kind of the, not to get too, you know, ethereal, but like the thing I love about art uh, of all forms is that your experience interacting with art can change as you change. Yeah. Even if the art itself has remained somewhat the same. So the last question that I ask everyone, nothing to do with painting or art, but it's if you, when you do go to one of those great coffee shops up in Bend, what do you order to drink? 
I am well known for getting a cappuccino or a cortado, rain or shine, cold or hot outside. I love, I just love that little cup and little, mm, so good. (laughs) Uh, Karen, I I really appreciate you taking some time uh, to be on the show. We've never had a artist on the show. It's always been other types of coffee professionals. So I appreciate that you just really brought something unique to the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. To recap, some Bend coffee shops to check out the next time you're there include Back Porch, Spoken Moto, Lone Pine, and Pallet Coffee. And I, along with Karen, would vouch for the experience at all four of those cafes. Chicory. Chicory is actually a plant in the daisy family. It often blooms with a beautiful blue-purple flower. The roasted root of the chicory plant can be used as an additive to ground coffee or even as a replacement for coffee altogether. Based on the information that I found, chicory was first roasted and used in coffee in Holland in the mid-1700s. The practice quickly spread across Europe and to the United States. At one point in the early 1800s, Napoleon tried to establish it as a complete replacement for coffee in an attempt to make France completely self-sufficient. I imagine there were some tough mornings during those years when the import of coffee was not allowed. Despite the return of coffee to France, the practice of adding chicory to coffee remained, and it continued to be popular in communities like New Orleans that have a heavy French influence. Coffee companies also capitalized on the craze by cutting their coffee with chicory as a way of increasing the margins on their product. Karen touched on a lot of entrepreneurial challenges that face people who create things. I really appreciate the fact that there wasn't a commercial motivator that began her painting with coffee. It was an exploration of art brought on by circumstance and the proximity to the espresso machine. But by paying to have those very first prints created and then putting them out into the world, Karen had a little skin in the game. She was motivated to make a decision on whether or not she would keep pursuing art, coffee art in particular, and eventually came to the conclusion that she wasn't done with this particular pursuit just yet. Karen has had a long career as a painter with a focus on coffee, but that doesn't mean there haven't been moments where she fell victim to the dark shadow that seemingly impacts all of us at some point, and I think creators more than most. Imposter syndrome. According to Psychology Today, 70% of adults struggle with imposter syndrome at some point in their life, and quote, people who struggle with imposter syndrome believe they are undeserving of their achievements and the high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held. They will feel that they aren't as competent as others might think, and that soon enough people will discover the truth about them. Those with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished. End quote. Back to just my thoughts here. Choosing to be an artist or a creator means exposing your innermost self to the world. It means working on something, be it a painting or a story or a papier-mâché hat, and then offering it up to the world to be accepted or rejected, to be noticed or not, and to be judged by loved ones and strangers alike, often in but a few seconds. Regardless as to whether the creation process took an hour or even a year, it is a vulnerable place to be. So what makes for a real artist? After chatting with Karen, I think a big part of it is being willing to experiment and explore your chosen medium. That applies just as much to every coffee roaster I've ever interviewed as it does to those who paint. 
I was inspired by this conversation. I went out and picked up a dozen cheap canvases and some acrylic paint. Then I made my own poor attempt at a few renderings. I'll share some photos of those on RoastWestCoast.com. And while I won't be giving up this podcast to become a professional artist anytime soon, there were a few brushstrokes, a few color combinations, a few ideas that I could see in my head, even if I could replicate them on canvas, that felt true. That feeling sticks with me, even now, and I thank Karen for the inspiration. If you want to check out more of her art, go to BeerPainter.com. I'm going to add the link to that and her Etsy profiles in this show's notes and the newsletter, which you should be subscribed to by now. If you're not, go to RoastWestCoast.com and sign up. And now for some Roast West Coast news. This show has a new coffee industry partner. Ascend Coffee Roasters is based in Oceanside, California, and they are the featured coffee at Old Cal Coffee in San Marcos. Ascend's founder and head roaster, Aaron Ninau, appeared as a guest on this show in Season 4. Erin is still ethically sourcing her coffees, specializing in single origins, and, in a bit of a sidestep from the industry at large, is focused on offering traditional dark roast coffee. One of the most common questions I get from listeners of the show is, when are the dark roasts coming back? To which I reply, they are already back. They're at Ascend Coffee Roasters. You can shop for single bags of coffee or sign up for a coffee subscription at AscendRoasters.com. Aaron has also developed a wholesale program for cafes looking to add a new craft coffee to their lineup. Again, AscendRoasters.com. This show's other industry partners are also leaders in their field, and they've been curated into this roast industry partner program for their efforts at offering excellent coffees and an excellent coffee experience. They are Cafe La Terre, Ignite Coffee Company, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, First Light Whiskey, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, and Marea Coffee. And for those of you who are subscribing, you're the best. I appreciate you. If you've been enjoying the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, please consider becoming a paid supporter of the show. Sign up for the paid subscription version on RoastWestCoast.com, and I'll be back with a new Coffee Smarter episode later this week. Honestly, I've been recording like crazy with some awesome guests, your favorite Coffee Smarter experts, and some new coffee experts. Be sure to follow the show on Apple or Spotify, or wherever you are listening today so you don't miss any of those upcoming episodes. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity and coffee to make it through the day. And for those of you headed out to get a cup of coffee somewhere in the world this week, please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. everyone if you like the roast west coast coffee podcast you might also appreciate the i like beer the podcast listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint these professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins 
to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer, the podcast, wherever you are listening to this show about coffee, or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.